What is good, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Stats and Mags. I'm Rob Stats Guerrera, and with me, as always, Michelle Majuk. What's up, Michelle? Hello. Uh, I feel like 49ers fans should be very thankful about the schedule, and we're going to get into that later. But I have some really interesting questions for you because I want to know if you think you deserve this schedule. What do you mean, deserve this schedule? Of course they do. Primetime games, three of them at home, three in a row. And that just seems for a team that struggled mightily last year uh, and only had really one good run under Kyle Shanahan. That seems like a lot of primetime games. How dare you? How dare you blaspheme on this show, on this, the holiest of high holy days, that being the 38th birthday of Mr. Frank Gore. (laughs) Hey, it's probably like the last running back you had to run for a thousand yards, right? Oh, I don't really know if that's true. You're just spitting fire today. I cannot believe Frank Gore is still in the league and still just like good for him. 38 years old out there killing it. He looks the same exact (laughs) way as he did when he was 21. Like the pictures of him now compared to when he was 21. I was like, I wouldn't even know that these were different photos. He is like we all have those players who are just we just love and want to see play forever. And it doesn't matter like how good they are. I irrationally love Frank Gore and I always will. He's like, he's just my guy. I love you, Frank. Yeah, he's never going to get more than five yards in any single run. Like it's not going to happen. But you just love to see him out there. And I want to see him play with his son so bad. Yeah, he's in Division One right now. I can't remember where he goes to school. Uh, I don't I don't think he's going to make it, unfortunately, but uh, it would have been I mean, he's 38 and technically he's not retired yet. <laughs> I know he has to find a team. I don't really know what team would like Atlanta could still use some depth. That would be a nice place to go live for a year. Yeah. Part of me wants to see it. Part of me doesn't. But I, I love you, Frank. Third all time in rushing yards. He has scored a touchdown in three different decades. I don't even know how many running backs could say that ever. That's pretty impressive. And someone said today, like, thank you so much, Frank Gore, for the round numbers. 16,000 rushing yards, 100 touchdowns. Like, that is perfection. I feel like you almost have to just leave with that. Right. It's like when you're at the gas station and you're filling up and you stop it and everything is like even numbers and zeros. Yeah. Why would you want to mess that up? Like, you don't want like 16,200 something. That's lame. 101 touchdowns. So Gore has scored in three different decades. I heard this stat about people born in 1985, which is when I was born. I'm 36 years old. I have lived in five different decades and my brain cannot handle it. That's pretty wild. I mean, that means I've lived in four. How is that possible? (laughs) I don't know. Five decades does seem crazy. But how is that possible? Because at the end of this decade, you're not going to be 50. Right. So 80, I was born in 85, right? So that's the 80s. Then the 90s, the 2000s, the 2010s, it's 2020. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Like you, when you first hear it, you're like, that's, that's a lie. That's not true. And then like your brain slowly catches up to the rest of the world. So uh, you mentioned the schedule. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about you dealing with my irrational Trey Lance paranoia because as we record this, rookie minicamp starts today and he is not signed and I'm freaking out and you're trying to calm me down and talk (laughs) me off the ledge. There is just no reason to be freaked out. None. And uh, you also have some fantasy numbers, projections, possibilities for the 49ers going forward. So we're going to touch on all of that, but The schedule is out. We did the instant reaction schedule show, the live show. Thanks to everybody that joined. By the way, I should have mentioned by now, please rate, review, subscribe to the Niners Nation Podcast Network. And apparently you're a hater now. You've got all these problems with the 49ers schedule. I don't know why you think that they don't deserve it for some crazy reason. And I think you're 100% wrong. I just think five primetime games is a lot. The Steelers also got five primetime games, and I don't think they're deserving of it. I just maybe these franchises, the 49ers and the Steelers, they just have such a big fan base, and there's people who live all over, and they're going to tune in to watch them. I I think that's the only reason they're getting all of these games. Both the 49ers and the Steelers don't really deserve to be in primetime that much this year. And, like, 
I get it. We're all excited for Trey Lance, but how good of games is he really going to produce in year one? Or if it's still Jimmy G, do we really want to see Jimmy Garoppolo five times? Five times? In <laughs> no. Five times? Like, I don't. I don't want to see him one time at any time, but that might happen. I will say five primetime games. I think the 49ers deserve the primetime appearances more than a team like the Saints, who are constantly in primetime this year. And I have no idea why, because Jameis Winston and or Taysom Hill will be at quarterback for them. Like, I don't even think the Saints are going to make the playoffs and I got to watch them in primetime. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I agree with you there. It better be Winston and not Taysom Hill. And maybe Jameis Winston can make some exciting games. You know him. He's going to throw like three picks, but he'll also throw for like 500 yards. So it can be a fun game. I But I totally agree there. They're kind of just thinking of like, oh, the normal Saints. Like, no, they're probably not the normal Saints. They also lost a ton of pieces like everywhere on the roster. I expect their defense to be a lot softer as well. Yeah, I don't know why they got so many primetime games. And, but as, personally, as a fan, I love 1 p.m. games like 1 p.m. Eastern time like my favorite so I don't really like it when the Steelers play at night or if I have to wait till Monday night that's the worst I do love me some Thursday night football games in Pittsburgh like if you can go to the game I just love going to this so you mentioned the one o'clock Eastern games well guess what the 49ers have five of those Five one o'clock Eastern games, 10 a.m. body clock time for the Niners. So you may Oof. think that that schedule is unfair because they're in prime time, but they're paying for it. Those other games. Yeah, I guess 1 p.m. when you're uh, not on the East Coast is not very fun whatsoever. So, yeah, you're going to have to wake up real early to watch your team. And like, yeah, that's pretty crazy. 10 a.m. games. That's wild. Can I tell you my secret? What? I don't have to wake up early because I live in Connecticut. Oh, Yeah. I, I did know that. There you go. So I've got it all figured out for mine. Although when they play on Sunday night, I get absolutely crushed by the time I do everything. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> okay, so the first two games of the schedule, Detroit and Philly. I said on any show I was on, that is the perfect soft landing for Trey Lance. Yeah. Do you When you look at that, do you think that's more likely to change their thinking? Or do you say it doesn't matter, they're still going to start with Jimmy? It really, really should because... Like, this is perfection. Yes, it's two away games, but Detroit and Philly cannot be softer. Like, you're going to get, like, have room to work against these defenses. It, it's just nice scenarios for Trey Lance. Now, maybe, maybe the 49ers, if they want to go with Jimmy G, they hopefully can get a big lead on them and then get Trey Lance in there in the fourth quarter. Let them get some practice, like some reps. That could be how they go, but that's really hoping like you dominate against an NFL team, which isn't always an easy thing to do no matter who the team is. But then once you get to week three, the schedule does get a lot harder there. So if you do plan to switch at any point, I think you should just start with Lance from the get-go. That actually is an interesting possibility that I haven't heard any of our our other shows talk about the idea that if the 49ers could get a lead or let's be honest, if they're down by a lot, then you throw Lance in or, you know, at the end of these games until he's ready. And maybe so he gets a couple of appearances, not as like a wildcat, you know, kind of none of that garbage, just literally like, okay, the game's out of reach, put in Trey Lance and let's see. And then if he looks good, eventually he's ready to take over. I haven't really considered that, but I do like the thinking there. Yeah, I absolutely love that. But then you get to week three, like I wouldn't want to just throw in Lance uh, against Green Bay, against Seattle, or even at Arizona. Like that's just like a division rival. Like those are not, any of those three games are not really appealing to me, just throwing in a rookie. So I, I do think like if you want to start them anytime soon, just do it at the beginning. Early bye week though, bye week six. So do you think at that point, if Jimmy G's actually still starting, would that be the point where they look at moving over to Trey Lance and you still come out of the bye week with four tough games against the Colts, against the Bears, against Arizona, against the Rams? That's a tough four-week schedule. Right. And and like, is that really when you want to throw them in? The, the Colts have a really good defense. That's the DeForest Buckner reunion game also. Yeah. Like, I, to me, it's almost easier if you throw them in from the get-go and just ride it out from there because if you don't, then maybe you could throw them in week 11 against Jacksonville, but then you have Minnesota, Seattle, Cincinnati. Okay. Like there's really no other better landing spot than to start them right away. And I hope that they do. 
I will say if you, if the 49ers can just get through week 10, so they have two nice games to start that weeks three through 10 are kind of brutal. I mean, it's a rough stretch. You got to win half of those games, but if you just win half of those games, like weeks 11 through 18, it's pretty nice. I mean, you get some bad teams in there. You get Jacksonville, you get since you get Atlanta, you get Houston. I think like the Titans and the Vikings, they're beatable. You always beat the Seahawks at least once. Uh, and then, of course, you end there at the Rams. That could be a huge game at the Rams in week 18. Woo, baby. Yes. No, I love ending with the division games. The Niners have a weird schedule in that regard, because if you look at it, the division's probably going to be wrapped up by then because they play all their division games in that chunk, basically, except for that Rams game at the end of the year. They only have one division game in the last quarter of the season. Yeah, I mean, you can really make up a lot of ground, though. If your record's not looking fantastic towards, like, week 12, week 13, like, you could win four straight games and really help your record out there with Cincy, Atlanta, Tennessee, and Houston. That's a nice stretch. That's what finishing in last place will get you, you know? I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> their, their schedule is, if you look by, I think, projected Vegas win totals, the Niners have the easiest schedule in the league. So the stage is set, and that's another reason to play Trey Lance right out of the gate. Like, you will never get a softer opportunity than what the 49ers are going to have. And by the way, I know you, you talked about that week three game. I'm, that's one of my top games of the whole year I'm looking forward to because the Packers beat the tar out of the 49ers last year when the 49ers had nobody between all the injuries and COVID they had nobody. I don't even know why the league let them play that damn game. The best receiver the 49ers had was Richie James. And oh, it was Nick Mullins and, the, and Aaron Rodgers and the Packers just stepped on our throats and just never let up. And it was so like, I felt so cheated because I thought that the 49ers could have won that game if they had even a little bit of their team. So that's why this year, week three, Packers coming back. Fans will be in the stands. That place is going to be insane, especially if Lance is starting. And I want to see the 49ers return the favor. Yeah, first first home game. That is going to be awesome. Now, is Aaron Rodgers going to be the starting quarterback, though, for the Packers? Because it's a totally different game if Aaron Rodgers isn't playing. Very true. Uh, I hope not. Selfishly, I keep hearing things about, you know, maybe him going to Denver. That would be awesome. Let's get him out of the NFC. Like, let's just keep clearing the board for NFC quarterbacks. Like, we could ship Russell Wilson out of the NFC, too. This Please don't. Please like, don't. That'll be great for us. Although I keep also hearing and reading consistently that the Eagles possibly could be making a move for Deshaun Watson. So that wouldn't be fun because then you'd have, you know, a top three quarterback in the NFC. But I guess I'll worry about that if it actually happens. Yeah. And there's always a chance he might not even be playing next year. So I wouldn't worry about that too much at this moment, but that I would be happy to get one of these stars out of the AFC. You're talking about the 49ers having the easiest schedule in the NFL. The Steelers have the toughest schedule in the NFL. So yeah, that's this, not fun for me. And there's no, like, there's only one sort of breather game in your division too. And it's against Cincinnati. And even that's kind of tough because Joe Burrow is really good. So it's like, when you can't ever have a week where you're kind of just like, all right, we don't have to play our best to win. That's really hard. Yeah. Were you hoping that your Bengals game was earlier on in the year? Because I yes. feel like Joe Burrow could really be hitting his stride at that point. Now, I still think the Bengals defense is going to be pretty bad. So the 49ers should be able to beat up on them as well. But if like Joe Burrow is hitting his stride, he has Jamar Chase, who now is also is 13 games in and has that experience with T Higgins and Joe Mixon. If he's still healthy at that point, which he never is like that's that that could be a scary game, actually. I'm so in glad Cincinnati. You, right. And I'm so glad you brought that up because there's so many like excitement police people on Twitter when the schedule comes out, like making fun of people who are excited about the schedule coming out because we already know the games. Like the order of these games is huge. It totally oh, sure. changes how a game looks. And you mentioned it with Cincinnati, like Joe Burrow in week one coming off an ACL when he has less than a full season of experience in the league is different than Joe Burrow in week 14. It just is. And I was interested to see, you know, when that game would fall and and when the other games would fall. And like we were saying, if Detroit and Philly are not weeks one and two, I feel differently about Trey Lance's chances of starting. You know, if it's Seattle, the Rams, you know, and maybe Arizona or the Colts, like 
I don't think that he would have much of a chance of starting, but it's a soft landing now and that matters. A hundred percent. And another game I'm looking at here that could be kind of in that same way is at Jacksonville. It's week 11. Like now you're giving Trevor Lawrence some time to get in his groove and to learn how to play in the NFL. Urban Meyer will have some games and coaching. So totally different playing Jacksonville in week one or week two versus playing them in week 11. Now you should beat them either way. That's not really the point, but it just becomes a little bit harder in week 11 than it would have been in week one. Which game do you think that Trey Lance would want to win more? The game against Trevor Lawrence and Jacksonville in week 11 or the game against presumably Justin Fields and the Bears in week eight? I think he would care more about week eight because no one's going to look at Trey Lance. If the 49ers lose to Trevor Lawrence, no one's going to say really anything about those two. It's like Trevor Lawrence was a clear cut, you know, number one overall pick. No one was questioning it, but people were questioning the 49ers. Like, should they have taken Justin Fields? You know, that whole game will be about them if they're both starting. And if Justin Fields were to come out and look much better than Trey Lance, that's a way worse scenario for Trey Lance than it would be if Trevor Lawrence and Lance are playing against each other and Lawrence looks better. Like no one's going to care. That's a fair point. And I hope that it's Lance versus Fields because that's the game everybody wants to see. Nobody wants to see Jimmy Garoppolo face Andy Dalton or Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> face Nick Bolt. Like, no, we're, we're all set with that. You know, you know, if the NFL like could, they would call up Kyle Shannon and be like, Hey, can, can you just, start the rookie here please like especially if it was like his first game that would be make it even bigger oh if it was both of their first games the thing that so instantly when i saw that the 49ers were playing the bears in week eight i was like okay when is the bears bye week because i could see the bears doing what like kind of miami did last year where it's ryan fitzpatrick and then at the bye week they moved over to tua so I wanted to see like, oh, it's the Bears bye week before the 49ers game. It's not. They're bye weeks later, like week 11 or something like that. So I don't know. They're being so weird. The Bears are being <laughs> so weird about being like, we want to let Justin Fields sit the whole year. Like, why? Why would you want that? You're wasting a year of your defense. Like you're not, you're just wasting a year of your roster. And I think that's silly. I did see just a quote come up from Justin Fields that he's going to, you know, put his all into winning the starting job. Like he's not backing down, but obviously what else are you going to say? Like, there's no way they're going to be in practice either team with Justin Fields and with Andy Dolan and with Trey Lance and with Jimmy Garoppolo. I just feel like you're going to be sitting there in practice being like this, this rookie is just more special. Like he could do <laughs> more things. Yes. He might make more mistakes in a game. Like that's going to happen, but that's going to happen no matter when you start them. You can wait a year. They're still going to make mistakes when they first start. So just get get over that rough little start and just use your special player that you drafted early. Why is it so hard? It's not. And that's eventually what happens. And I think a lot of these teams, and this is something that Mike Florio taught me when I was working for him at NBC, a lot of these teams like to make it seem like we didn't just hand the rookie the job, like he actually won the competition, even though – we all know they're going to play because they were picked so high, but they always try and like create this idea that we didn't just hand it to them. Maybe it's like a confidence boost or whatever, but it's ridiculous, especially quarterbacks taken in the top five. They, oh, I think the last quarterback taken in the top five to not play his entire rookie season was Carson Palmer. And that's when Cincinnati had John Kitna. And how many years, I think, what was that? 2003. I can't even remember how many years ago it was. So it's a different world now. So we, we're not going to have to worry about that. I hope, I hope, I hope. The other thing is that Chris Sims talks about this. Like the guys see in practice, like you were saying, they're going to see Trey Lance drop back and throw a 60-yard bomb right on the money. Jimmy Garoppolo yeah. can't do that. In fact, Jimmy Garoppolo is a historically bad practice player. Ask anybody that's covered the Niners, and they'll tell you he's much better in the games than he is in practice. It looks ugly a lot of times in practice. Well, when Wasn't got, he the one that threw five interceptions in uh, practice last year and it was like a huge news thing? Five interceptions on five straight passes. It was five <laughs> consecutive <laughs> interceptions, which I guarantee you Trey Lance is not going to do that because like that's difficult to do if you're trying on purpose to do it, let alone by accident. And I just think that guys are going to see that again and again and again. I think Kyle wants to start the rookie. And so I think momentum is going to build, especially if Lance has a good preseason where it's just going to be like, all right, what are we doing here? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I'm looking at your, you know, the Rams, Seahawks, Cardinals schedule, because just getting off to a hot start matters. I think 
the Rams have. I think they're they're your biggest competition in this division. They start off pretty rough. I mean, you yes. get the Bears. Now, it's the Bears with Andy Dalton, though. Like, I do think Andy Dalton's going to start the season because they're going to be stingy. And Andy Dalton could throw four interceptions in that game against the Rams, and that would be great for everybody, except for, I guess, 49ers. <laughs> but <laughs> it would be great for anyone rooting for Justin Fields. But then they are at the Colts against Tampa Bay against Arizona, against Seattle, that's a rough start to their schedule. Oof. Actually, yeah, both the, I think the, the 49ers' biggest challengers in the West, the Rams and the Seahawks, they have incredibly difficult schedule. You mentioned the Rams for sure. Seattle starts at Indianapolis, then they play Tennessee, then Minnesota, then San Francisco, the Rams, and Pittsburgh. That's their first six games. And I know I say this every year, but like the Seahawks don't exactly have a loaded roster. Now, Russell Wilson seems to always be able to pull 10 wins out of his ass. So maybe he'll do it again. But that is a rough, rough stretch for the Rams and the Seahawks to start the year. And in those six games, they're away in four of them. And three uh, in weeks five through seven are uh, night games. That's a pretty, that's a tough schedule for the Seahawks too. I think the 49ers, they have it laid out for them. They have it laid out for them to make it far in this division to win the division. They just have to play their cards, right? They have to go out there. And I I do think it's Trey Lance that should be the starter, but I could see them getting nervous and just going with the vet to try to just, you know, be play it safe. But that seems silly after you didn't play it safe in the draft and you, you know, you gave right. up everything. <laughs> One last tweet I saw that I wanted to mention. I want to give a little love to Javier Vega who tweeted this out. The last game Trey Lance played at quarterback was October 3rd, 2020, which was about 200. I think he tweeted this yesterday. So about 223 days ago. The last game Jimmy Garoppolo played at quarterback was November 1st, 2020, which was 194 days ago. So it's basically a a 29 day difference between the last games these guys played at quarterback. Now, obviously, Jimmy's was in the NFL and Trey Lance was at North Dakota State. But when you look at it like that, you're like, wow, I didn't realize it was like that close together because everyone always talks about how long it's been since Trey Lance has been on the field. Yeah, but also I don't think for the for that reason that he hasn't been on the field for so long. Like I don't think that's a reason to keep him off the field longer. Like that just right. means like that just means the next year he's been off the field for that much longer. Like these reps are so important for Trey Lance because he hasn't been playing. And yes, like I keep saying, like he's going to make mistakes. He's gonna go out there, he's gonna throw interceptions. You know, he's going to be running around. He might make stupid errors, but you're also going to get brilliant plays from him with his big arm, with his scrambling ability. Like he'll make it up. You're going to live with those bad plays because you're going to see the glimpses of just like greatness. And you're like, okay, we can live with this. And by the way, it's not like the 49ers didn't have stupid turnovers and interceptions (laughs) the last years with Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, They have that now, hopefully with Trey Lance, they also have the other side. Like you just mentioned the great plays, the ability to make something out of nothing, the ability to make a play outside of structure. The 49ers have not had that. So hopefully that is what they get with Trey Lance. If he ever signs, I'm just going to point out Aaron Banks, Jalen Moore, Diamador Lenore, Talanoa Hufanga and Elijah Mitchell have all signed their contracts already. So Trey Lance has got to get in there. Ambry Thomas has got to get in there. Let's go people. Let's get these contracts signed. A lot of first rounders haven't been signed yet. It's all, it's too easy nowadays. There's nothing you can really even like dictate about your contract. There's like a couple small things. It'll be signed. Relax, crazy pants. It'll happen. <sighs> all right. Fine. I need a break. I need to compose myself. And when we come back, we'll look at some fantasy numbers, some fantasy projections for the 49ers this year. We're back here on Stats and Mags. And we said last week that we need suggestions, Michelle, for a podcast title involving the quarterback because we had taken suggestions before, but it was all Justin Fields stuff. Fields of gold, Fields of dreams, all that stuff. So now we need Trey Lance suggestions. We have these from Alexander Sutherland, who says Trey and the Golden Lance. I don't. I don't know about that one. (laughs) Yeah, no. (laughs) And the other one is the Golden Lance podcast. I like the idea of something with like Lance and Knights of the Round Table or something. Like, I don't know. There's something there. But Lance is going to. I have an idea for you. What about we name it Fields and become a Bears podcast? (laughs) 
just so I can talk about Justin Fields. That's strike two, Michelle. Strike one was blaspheming on Frank Gore's birthday. That's strike two. You are on thin ice. No, I'm just kidding. I'm actually really excited to be able to watch Trey Lance and root for him and such like, because I wasn't his biggest supporter throughout the draft. Like I just, you know, when you're getting compared against my love, like it's going to be hard for me (laughs) to root for you. But now I'm really excited. I'm going to be watching him every week. And it's just like, and then we get to talk about him. I just hope he is the next Josh Allen because Josh Allen is my favorite quarterback in the NFL right now. And that's who he comes to. There's kind of like a little anger among our listeners because Kyle Posey and Akash Anavarathan have both said that they are kind of hoping that Justin Fields puts it on the 49ers in week eight as revenge for not taking him in the draft. So people are not happy with a lot of our hosts so far. I'm not (laughs) one of them, but you are not alone in your Justin Fields love. Listen, Justin Fields can play great and the 49er and Trey Lance and the 49ers can still win. Why don't we just have it like a 40 to 38 game where both quarterbacks killed it uh, and then the 49ers win it at the last second? That sounds fantastic. There you go. They could swap jerseys after the game and all will be well. That ends well. I'm down for that. We yeah, I'm not rooting for the Bears to win. I'm just rooting for Fields. That's all. All right. All right. I guess we can continue now. Um, so I think when it comes to fantasy that the 49ers are one of the hardest teams in the league to project because Kyle Shanahan has with the 49ers spread the ball around a lot, whether it's receivers or running back. And we have no idea who's going to be playing quarterback and for how long for this team. So like when you said you wanted to talk fantasy, my first thing in my head was good luck. I know it's going to be hard and I don't know if we're going to get any answers by the time we get to draft season. I play dynasty, which is basically like a 25 man keeper league where you keep your team and you just draft rookies. Um, So you do have to kind of be making these decisions now if you want to trade and stuff like that. But once we get to redraft season and we're drafting our team for just 2021 in August and early September, it's like, are we even going to have our answer yet with Jimmy G or Lance? Like we might not. And that's going to make it stressful for a lot of these players. And then Kyle Shanahan ruins the running backs. So it is a <laughs> lot of question marks right now. And just projecting things that you hope will happen. hope will happen. I think the safest player though on the 49ers is George Kittle. It doesn't really seem to matter who the quarterback is. He's just a baller. He's so good. And for some reason, I was thinking in my head, like, man, this dude's so good, but he's always hurt. But he's not really. Like, he was hurt this year. He missed eight games. But then the three years before that, he only missed three total games. Never missed more than two games in a season before this past one. So why can you answer me? Why did I think George Kittle was always hurt? He's he plays, but he's always banged up. He's so physical that he's just constantly putting his body into car crash after car crash. He wouldn't have been hurt last year at all. If Jimmy Garoppolo didn't throw a damn hospital ball that caused him to have to. Ju- it was a screen pass down the line of scrimmage and Jimmy throws it like five feet over his head. So he has to jump to catch it. And when he comes down, he's got one leg planted and that's where he gets tackled. And that's how he initially got banged up this year. But yeah, I agree. Kittle is the only constant for the 49ers fantasy wise. It's odd because if you look at Kyle Shanahan's history, he actually, he likes to go to one wide receiver. When he was in Washington as the offensive coordinator, Pierre Garçon led the league in yards. When he had Julio Jones with the Falcons, he had the second most single season receiving yards in NFL history. Like he likes to feed one guy and he's kind of done that with Kittle. Uh, but we haven't seen that kind of production from any of the Niners wideouts. Yeah, absolutely. And I still think George Kittle will be the top target in this offense. George Kittle is one of five players in the NFL to have three straight seasons of 75 plus receiving yards per game. So any game he's played in, he's averaging 75 plus yards per game. Those five players are Travis Kelsey, which is crazy. It's two tight ends, Travis Kelsey, George Kittle. And then you have Devontae Adams, DeAndre Hopkins, and Julio Jones. So it's like George or George Kittle has been killing it, not just as a tight end, because tight ends in fantasy are gross. So I'm not just saying like, oh, <laughs> he's a good fantasy tight end. No, he's just a really, really good fantasy player. 15.9 fantasy game, or fantasy points per game since 2018, second among tight ends. And in any other era, that would be first. Or like if he just played five years ago, it would have been first. But with Travis Kelsey just dominating the league, he keeps getting put in second. I will say uh, when I'm drafting, I might still take the Raiders tight end Darren Waller over George Kittle 
And it's just because of the consistency with the offense. Like you still have Derek Carr. The wide receivers are still like, mm, are they going to become something with the Raiders? So Darren Waller's definitely just like pretty much going to have that same type of production he did last year. With George Kittle, you expect it because he's so good, but it's like, what if Trey Lance does come in? What if they run more? Like, what if he scrambles more? Maybe he doesn't favor George Kittle. Like, there's too many questions around that. So I'd still take Darren Waller. I'd still take Travis Kelsey. But after that, it's George Kittle 100%. Here's my beef with George Kittle. And I've said this consistently, and people get mad at me when I say it, but it's true. He's never, ever scored more than five touchdowns in his career in a single season. He does not get open and get the ball in the end zone, in the red zone. And that, I'm sure you know, is where most of the touchdowns are scored inside the 10, inside the five. Travis Kelsey does. He's a huge target for the Chiefs. George Kittle doesn't. And it's frustrating because he's so good between the 20s, but he just can't seem to punch it in there. And from a fantasy perspective, like I hate to oversimplify it, but like I like guys that score touchdowns. Yeah, for sure. And but that's what's kind of crazy is he is such a good scoring uh, fantasy player, but he's not getting into the end zone. That's so rare, especially for tight ends. So can you imagine if he did have a season, though, that he could have eight to ten touchdowns? I'm surprised with how physical he is that he's not getting into the end zone more. Maybe it's, you know, Trey Lance can open up things for everybody in that offense because he's going to threaten the the defense with his legs. So they might, like, move up and play uh, play against the run a little bit more. Hopefully that can open up George Kittle. He's just, he's very consistent in a league where we have such few consistent tight ends in fantasy. I'm just like, I'm just taking one of these guys early and I'm I'm done with it. Like in past years, I would say, oh, I'm just going to punt the position. I'll take a tight end late. They all stink and I'll just stream (laughs) off the waivers like against matchups. Like, no, I'm sick of getting three points from my tight end. I want one (laughs) of these superstars. I want them. Okay. So you're in your draft room and George Kittle is gone. He has been stolen from you. The next 49er that you would draft, regardless of when that is, would be who? It's Brandon Ayuk. Because I'll get to the running backs in a second. I don't really know if there is one that you can draft and you can trust. I'm just so confused about that running back room. But Brandon Ayuk killed it last year as a rookie. 15.4 fantasy points per game in 2020, which was 18th among wide receivers. But in the final seven games, he scored 17 plus fantasy points in six of those seven final games. He was the first rookie wide receiver since 1970 with a streak of at least six games of 17-plus fantasy points. Pretty wild. He killed it, and the only reason we're not talking about him more is because of Justin Jefferson's season. But Brandon Ayuk also dealt with injuries and then was on the COVID list and then was back and then got put on the COVID list again and then got another injury. So he had like a pretty wild rookie season, and he still killed it, and he was playing with all these different quarterbacks. Like for him to have such a good season with that inconsistency with the team and so many injuries and just dealing with all the COVID stuff, very, very impressive. I think he's a, a super talent. I think he does take over as the lead wide receiver target in that offense over Debo Samuel. Even with Debo Samuel healthy this year, I just think Ayuk is the better all around talent. I expect him to have a great season. Now, when you're looking at like players going around him, and drafts, he is going like right around T. Higgins, who I still prefer over Ayuk. Uh, even with Jamar Chase there, I just think that the Bengals are going to throw more. They have a very bad defense, so <laughs> they need to throw more. Joe Burrow was on like pace to throw like 650 attempts last year. And if Trey Lance plays, they're not going to throw that often. They're going to be a running team. So I would still go with T. Higgins there. But you know, I would take Ayuk over Tyler Lockett. I would take him over Will Fuller, really? over DJ Moore. Yeah, I, I really like Ayuk. So as long as like he's going in a fair spot, he is kind of going around Deontay Johnson. Deontay Johnson all day, baby. Steelers wide oh, receiver. God, there we go. Um, this is something that I thought of too. Like people don't realize how crazy the rookie year is for these guys, and it's something that Nick Bosa actually talked about uh, when he was he was talking about Trey Lance and it's a little different for Lance because last year was sort of like canceled, but you know, you're a rookie, you finish your college season, you declare for the draft and then you're like training, training, training for the combine, you know, doing all your interviews, trying to learn like three pages of the playbook for every team because they're all giving it to you to test, to see what you know. And then bam, you get drafted. You most likely have to move. You have to find a place to live. You have your playbook now. 
you get thrown in there. Then, oh, by the way, you got to play 16 and now 17 games. Like, it is a crazy amount of stuff that happens to you your rookie year. And Bosa's point about Trey Lance was like, your second year, you're good. Like, you have your place to live. You know the playbook already. Like, everything is simplified for you. And so for Ayuk to do what he did, having that those circumstances, plus all the additional stuff you just mentioned, that's pretty impressive. Especially with last year's offseason, it was completely different. Like just the whole training method and like learning. And then you had to be like in Zoom classes instead of actually in the building, meet like being with your teammates close and building that connection, just a totally different situation. So for there were so many good rookies last year, and it's just really impressive. And it shows how strong that class was that they could overcome uh, a situation like that. And yeah, this season's going to just feel probably so easy for them after what they went through last year. You sound down on Debo Samuel. I'm not necessarily down because we knew going into last year, it was going to be a down year for him after that foot injury. Like you don't just come back from that surgery and, uh, you know, just perform instantly. So I I did figure it to be a little bit slower of a year. He did come back after, you know, missing a, games and then kind of struggling there in his first four games and then being out again and then also on the COVID-19 list like it was a rough year for him he had that one good game against the Rams for 13 targets 133 yards um, and then another good game after that with the 73 yards and a touchdown Uh, I, I actually believe that was with Nick Mullins instead of Jimmy G if I'm correct there so maybe, uh, so maybe he'll be better without Jimmy Garoppolo because uh, with Jimmy uh, early on in the year, he was not surpassing 70 receiving yards at any point. I, I don't know. I don't know what to think about Devo. I think he's kind of just that middling guy for me that like I'm not excited to go get him, but he could be good in PPR leagues. Uh, just 11.5 fantasy points per game last year, 46 among wide receivers. In his rookie season, it was 12.6 fantasy points per game, 36 third among wide receivers he doesn't excite me I'll say that but he is going later in drafts so I do think where he's going around he you know DJ Chark Cortland Sutton Robbie Anderson like those are that's a fair value like I I see Jerry Judy going a little bit later than Debo Samuel I think that's kind of crazy I do think Jerry Judy's just a better overall talent I think he'll have a good second year but I, I think if you want Debo Samuel, he's going at a fair enough value that it's okay. I just don't expect him to blow up at all. I think he'll be right around like a wide receiver three type in fantasy, which that's doable for your flex spot. Play him during the Rams week because that seems to be when he shines against L.A. So maybe that's when you throw him in there. It's kind of a make or break year for him. You know, he was second round draft pick. This is year three now. He's only got a four year contract. This is year three for Debo. And, you know, Benjamin Albright told me and Kyle Posey on one of the podcasts that it's, you know, the 49ers are not guaranteed to offer him a second contract. Like there's not as much love for him inside the building as maybe the fans have. So he's kind of got to get it done this year. Like he can't, you know, be injured, come back for one game and then pull a hamstring like he did last year. He's got to be on the field. He's got to be productive or he's going to be, you know, getting a second contract from somebody else other than San Francisco. Yeah, he has to stay healthy. But when he, if he is healthy, like he's a pretty good wide receiver. He kind of reminds me of Juju in that way, where no, maybe they're not the best for fantasy, and they're you know they're not putting up those numbers where like the nation loves them because you know they're winning them weeks in fantasy football. But they're good for your team. They're good strong players that make strong plays when they're on the field. So I, I do think he's still good for the team. Do you want to know my biggest, my, probably my biggest miss ever in fantasy football, where I was just in love with a guy, I had him ranked like top nineteen wide receiver i think um it was dante pettis love dante pettis going into his second year i thought he was going to be so good Uh, i was never been so wrong in my life about anything you weren't alone in that everybody thought dante (laughs) pettis was going to be good and then kyle shanahan threw him in the doghouse and he never escaped the last time we saw dante pettis he was fumbling a kickoff return I want to say it was against the Saints. I can't remember who it was against. He had one kickoff return in his 49ers career, and he fumbled it. And at that point, I was like, there is no <laughs> way he's going to be on the team bus when this game is over. And they got rid of him. And I think he's with the Giants now. 
Yeah, he's not he's not coming back. I don't think he's going to make that comeback. But I thought he was so talented. I don't yeah, I don't know what happened. His rookie season was like kind of impressive. It looked good. He looked good out there. He had a good ending of his rookie season. So I was like going to second year. They didn't really have it was Debo Samuel as a rookie. I was like, it's going to be great. And then he just barely played. I was like, all right, cool. Well, see, that's what worries me about Brandon Ayuk is kind of the same thing you talked about. Oh, he had a really good close out to the season. That is exactly what people were saying about Dante Pettis. God help us if Ayuk turns out to be another Dante Pettis. No, I'm not even going to finish saying that sentence because the thought will then crystallize in my brain and I'll be worried about that (laughs) now. So we're not going to do that. Uh, I know you didn't want to talk about the running backs, but here we are. Kyle Shanahan spreading the ball around. Not giving it, you know, bell cow carries to any one person. My quick take on it is that Raheem Mostert is going to get hurt. And so I think that Trey Sermon is going to be a guy that people pick up during the year that ends up playing a significant role for people. Yes. And I think that key point there was during the year. So if you're going to draft Trey Sermon later in your drafts, he's not going to go too early. You just have to be patient with him, though. Like, there's no point of drafting him if you're not going to be patient. If you're like, oh, he doesn't do anything the first few weeks, like, I'm going to drop him, then that's pointless. You wasted a draft pick. Like, go pick someone else. You got to keep him on your bench. Kind of like Cam Akers last year. You kept him on your bench. It worked out at the end of the year. I think that will be the same way with Trey Sermon. I mean, they did trade up to go get him. Like, that's very like unusual for Kyle Shanahan to move up. They gave up an extra fourth round pick, took Trey Sermon. He, Trey Sermon, if you want to talk about good end of years, like he killed it, 112 yards and a touchdown against Michigan State and then 331 rush yards <laughs> against Northwestern and then 193 rush yards against Clemson. That, of course, gets hurt in the Alabama game after just one carry and that just ruined all of our dreams. But, hey, the last four running backs out of Ohio State to go, you know, in the draft in the first three rounds, they've been pretty good. I mean, you got J.K. Dobbins. He was pretty good his rookie year. You got Ezekiel Elliott. Pretty good. And then you know who that fourth one was, was Carlos Hyde from the 49ers. And Carlos Hyde was – he had 938 rush yards in 2017. That's the most by a 49ers running back with Kyle Shanahan as a coach. I always thought Carlos Hyde was pretty good. And I'm always like, I was always a little surprised that he didn't do better than he did. If he didn't produce more, so to speak, because I watched him run. I was like, this guy's pretty fast. He's strong. He hits the hole quickly. Like I, I was always amazed that he wasn't a better player. Cause it seemed to me like he had all the tools. Um, when it comes to Trey Sermon, I'm going to get myself in trouble, but the more I watch him run, the more he does actually remind me of Frank Gore because he doesn't have the burst. Frank Gore didn't have the, you know, breakaway speed, but he runs like he knows it. And what I mean is like if he's running and there's two defenders that are closing in on him, he doesn't try to, you know, put on the afterburners and split them. He stops, does like a hesitation move, and then he'll run to the outside to try and gain more yards. Like he knows mm-hmm. his limitations, and that totally reminds me of Frank Gore. And I know I'm putting way too much on him because Frank Gore has 16,000 rushing yards, <laughs> but this is what I do. It's May. I think that my biggest concern is actually if Trey Lance does start early on in the season, rushing quarterbacks just do hurt the running backs. It's going to give them more holes to run, but you're not going to get as many opportunities because Trey Lance is going to get steal some of those rushing opportunities away. They're not going to get as many goal line carries because Trey Lance is going to steal a lot of those goal line carries. He is a bigger back who's very strong and very mobile. And then they don't dump the ball off as much because instead of when they're in trouble, they don't dump the ball off to the running back like the non-mobile quarterbacks do. They run themselves instead of passing it off. So that just really hurts in fantasy. We saw it with the Bills last year with my boy Zach Moss and Devin Singletary. Like they just they don't run as much and Josh Allen does not dump the ball off. We even see it with Lamar Jackson. J.K. Dobbins had a great rookie season, but not really that great for fantasy because he just doesn't get the receptions and Lamar Jackson steals too many of those goal line carries and another backfield where, you know, they give the other backs carries as well. So even if we do think Trey Sermon will be the lead back, he's not going to be the only running back that Kyle Shanahan gives the ball to. I think it's just a gross situation altogether. So that's why I'm staying away. Yeah. I think that Kyle really likes the idea of getting into the red zone. He could run a a jet sweep to Debo Samuel or Brandon Ayuk. Kittle's probably going to get doubled, and that means it's Trey Lance against 
you know, potentially nine defenders because two are going to be on Kittle. I think he likes those numbers. I think that is the number one area where Trey Lance is going to contribute right away because he's going to be like, dude, you're 6'4", you're 230 pounds. We need two yards, like get it done. I'll give you Debo as a lead blocker. I'll give you Yushek, like figure it out. And I, I think that that is going to be where the red zone kind of goal line carries go because the, the 49ers do not have a power running back. I think they're hoping that Sermon is that, but I, to me, their best option is Trey Lance. A hundred percent. And we've seen it work. It's not like we, we already have seen this work for teams. Josh Allen is used around the goal line all the time and he gets in all of the time. Cam Newton was that same way. And it's not one of those things you have to wait to use them around. They don't really have to learn that. It's like run into the end zone, go do it. Like, and they're (laughs) big enough and strong enough. Like I, I do think Trey Lance, Trey Lance is one of my favorite fantasy options as well. If we knew he was starting week one, he would be one of my favorite fantasy quarterbacks to go get. Because Why? that mobility is a cheat code. What, having a fantasy quarterback that runs is just a cheat code. And he's one of the, he'll be one of the top rushing quarterbacks in the league instantly. But here's the thing. I don't think Kyle wants him to run. I think Kyle's going to try and drill into his head. Go through your reads, run the offense the way I want, and only run if you have no other options. Now, oh, I think, if I he think, does that to him, good luck. You're going to, you're going to ruin him. And like, think about doing that with Lamar Jackson. That would not be good when Lamar Jackson has to throw because the team takes away the run. Once he gets to the playoffs and they figure him out, it's not good. It's not pretty. So I hope he doesn't do that to Trey Lance. That's the, I mean, that is the classic error that head coaches since the beginning of time have done with mobile quarterbacks is trying to take a square peg and jam him into a round hole I just think that Kyle has such belief in his system that he's like, hey, if you just go through the reads, somebody's going to be open. You don't have to run. You don't have to expose yourself to hits. When in reality, he might be better looking at two reads and taking off than maybe checking it down to the third read who's only going to gain a couple of yards anyway. So I'll be interested to see how often Lance runs if he does get in there and what Kyle's reaction to that is. Oh, now you're making me nervous. Now I'm like, do Welcome I want to my world? <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think that would be so silly. I, I think he's already proven us wrong, right? Kyle Shanahan was like, no, I'm not. I'm not an idiot. I didn't take Mac Jones. I took Trey Lance. Like, hopefully he can change his system to work with Trey Lance. I mean, we saw it with RG3, right? Like he didn't take away the run from RG3. He let him kind of do his thing. And it was That's a great true. rookie year until he got injured to that torn ACL. And then he also refused to run certain plays the next year. I mean, it went downhill fast with RG3. Oh, yeah, for sure. Trey Lance has had his first press conference with the 49ers. He has said he has already learned a, quote, chunk of the playbook. I like that very much. And I like this quote from him too, Michelle. I'm past the point where it's surreal. It's work now. I love it. Like that love is exactly it. where he needs to be. He seems like a very likable kid. Like, I, I'm excited to root for him. I really, really am. I know I've talked some crap, but I, it's all just about me having serious worries. But at the same time, I see the insane talent. So I hope I hope he just comes out week one against Detroit. And just, that'd be such a good game. Just kid, like, you can beat up on Detroit. Anyway, I could go out there and beat up on the Lions defense, please. I'm just going to say this once. The only two times the 49ers have opened with the Detroit Lions in 1981 and 1984, they ended the season with a Lombardi Trophy. Ooh, I'm not there making you go. any guarantees. I'm just throwing <laughs> it out there. History says the 49ers are winning the Super Bowl. And I know you're going to be rooting for Trey Lance because he, like you, puts ranch on pizza. Oh, yeah. I like that. You know, my man, Josh Allen, I think he does the blue cheese life in Buffalo. So maybe Trey Lance has to be my new favorite quarterback. <laughs> that's it that's all it takes huh yeah just a, just a ranch lover and I, i'm on board yep do you do you dip the pizza in the cold ranch or are you like cooking it with the ranch on it already no you just dip into the cold ranch sometimes i like putting the red hot sauce on top there of the ranch you go and then dipping it all together mm. the best part about red hot sauce is the slogan do you know their actual slogan for frank's red hot is <laughs> i put that shit on everything <laughs> It really, it should be if it's not because it is. 
I I did have to stop because I think I destroyed my stomach. I swear I had ulcers <laughs> from it, but I was putting it in everything. Like I would like, I almost bought a little tiny bottle to carry around in my purse, but that's when I started being like, okay, I think I have an issue. I think I have a problem. Do you, what's your like tolerance for spicy food? I'm pretty good at it. You know what I don't like weirdly enough is spicy chicken wings. I hate when my lips burn. Like mm. I don't want my lips to burn. That that takes out all the enjoyment. But if I don't have to touch it with my lips, then I, I can take pretty spicy foods. How would you eat something without you touching like, it with, with your, your lips? Eating with a fork it normally doesn't like you know oh, the okay. difference. You know the difference between eating a spicy chicken wing and then eating something with like a fork. It's a totally different feeling. I don't yes. know how people eat hot wings. Like I really don't because how can you deal with your lips hurting so bad? Oh, I love so my traditional game, especially week one, my traditional game day meal. I go with the three H's. I go hot wings, Heineken, Hagen Dazs. That's my day on Sunday, especially week one. I love it. That sounds fantastic. I, I normally go with that buffalo chicken dip. Just solid for week one. You know, you can't have that every Sunday. It's <laughs> it would get pretty bad, but oh, so good. So really quick story before we wrap up here. Uh when I was on pro football talk, we had Travis Kelsey on. And a lot of times when you have guys on, they are pitching a product. And so Travis Kelsey came on and he was pitching the Pocky spicy potato chips. They were, okay. it was the Reaper pepper chip. And Florio texted me and was like, Hey, get me some of those chips. I want to try them. So we reached out, they sent us a bunch of chips and like they sent us like way more than any human being could ever want. So we gave some to Mike and there was a lot left over and Mike's really nice. So he gave them to the rest of the crew. So we tried that chip and <laughs> it destroyed me. It was horrible. I didn't know what to do with myself. I ran to the cafeteria and grabbed a bottle of milk because I heard that like milk helps with spicy. Like yeah. it did nothing. My mouth was on fire I literally had to lay down for 45 minutes. I was destroyed the rest of the day. <laughs> then what's the point of those chips? Like who can eat them? Like I is don't anyone know. is anyone actually enjoying them? That's why I think once you get to a certain a certain point of spice, it's like are you really enjoying it or just trying to prove that you can eat the spice, you know? So that's why like I have a hatred of Travis Kelsey, not only because he is the best tight end in the league over George <laughs> Kittle, but also because he tried to murder the entire Pro Football Talk Live staff with the chips from hell. Do you think that he actually eats them, Travis Kelsey? He might. He's kind of crazy. So I could see him doing that. Um, they were, first of all, they came in a box in the shape of a coffin. That should have been my first clue. <laughs> How did Florio do with them? He, I don't know if he ever actually ate them. I think he gave them to his family. I don't, I don't know why he wanted them. Maybe he wanted to give them to his son, Alex, but I don't know if he ever actually ate them himself. If he did, I was telling him to put it on video because we put it, when I had it, it was on video and you see me freak out. And I wanted amazing. to see that happen to Mike, but I don't, he never did. So boo. Yeah, no, I, I would stay away from those. I've never even heard of them. So apparently the product did not make it very far. <laughs> well, good. Take that, <laughs> Travis Kelsey. All right. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. Again, we remind you, please rate, review and subscribe to the Niners Nation Podcast Network. Thank you, everybody. The thousands of people that have joined us for our live shows, the draft and the schedule release. We really appreciate the support. We're going to try and do that a lot more and we will talk to you next week. Bye, y'all.